welcome to Sounding Out Horsham. I'm Anna. And I'm Emma. And before we start, I have a question for you, Anna. Okay. How many books do you think are published in the UK every year? I'm talking about different titles, uh, fiction and non-fiction. Hmm, I don't know, maybe a few thousand? A couple of thousand? The answer's quite a bit higher. It's okay. actually around 200,000. Oh. And I know that sounds like a fair amount, but in fact it's quite a small proportion of the books that are actually written. Yeah, it's a surprising number given that it's apparently really hard to get published and far more people get rejected than actually get published. That's why we're actually really pleased that we've managed to bag a successful author as our guest for this episode. Yes, we're going to be talking to Horsham author Lisa Brace, whose debut novel Star Survivor is just about to hit the shelves in the bookshops. Star Survivor is Lisa's first novel, but she's no stranger to writing. She's worked as a journalist, including for the West Sussex County Times and in PR and communications. Lisa's also worked with Sussex author Julia Donaldson, who's famous for The Gruffalo, among others through her role coordinating Horsham Year of Culture in 2019. And more recently, Lisa has had success writing novellas under the name Holly Green, and she gives tips to budding writers through her work with Sussex Writing Retreats, which she runs with another local author, Daisy White. Yeah, so we're really pleased to grab some time with Lisa to hear all about her new novel and life as a writer. Plus, get some top tips on writing and publishing. We are thrilled to be sitting here with you, Lisa Brace. You have just published your first novel as as an author in your own name, Lisa Brace. How exciting. Congratulations. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah. How did this happen? Oh, goodness me. How did it happen? I hate to mention it, but we all remember COVID and lockdown. And basically, I had started a a company that meant that as soon as COVID took place, everything had to go on hold because I managed to pick all the sectors that we locked down in quite quickly. So hospitality, tick, theatre, tick, you know, hairdressing, tick. (laughs) Every single one of my clients that I had basically had to go on hiatus. So I found myself at home, uh, as many people did, homeschooling two children who did not want to be homeschooled (laughs) um, and trying to work across a desk and sharing it with everybody. Husband upstairs working and obviously it was really confined and really claustrophobic for all of us. And there was a particular day when I was sort of, well, I'd had a couple of G&Ts and I'd been scrolling on Instagram. I think it's called doom scrolling, isn't it? Scrolling away. And then in the background, I had Hunger Games on the the, uh, film. Mm. And then that evening, that night, I had this really stupidly lucid dream where, and I might have... I I dreamt Simon Cowell told me the story, the bones of what became Star Survivor. (laughs) That is so weird. I know, it's really random. It's like (laughs) spirit. Are you a big Simon Cowell fan? No, no. And the thing is, I have to be super careful because when I say this, it sounds like he sort of turned up out of my dream, wrote 90,000 words. That's not quite how it works. Um, He was sat there on the the beach next to me and then he told me this whole story. And when I woke up in the morning, I went, that's actually, that's quite a good story. I like that. Mm. And, but I have been for years I'd have a notebook next to the side of my bed where I'd scribble ideas down and think about writing something and never actually fully committing so I'd written the first 5,000 10,000 words of oh dear no 10 books or something and none Mm. of them really came to anything and so when this one came to mind I thought well actually I quite like that so I sketched out the ideas that Simon had told me yeah (laughs) Um, I thank you very much Simon Cowell um and then throughout the next couple of days I'd sort of mention it and talk about it obviously only to my husband and kids because we weren't allowed to talk to anybody yeah. else or go out with anyone really yeah and uh at that point my husband kind of went well you might as well stop talking about it and just just write the book because mm. I had all this 
time and by the time the homeschooling was finally done sort of mid-afternoon and I didn't want to spend any more time with the children (laughs) they didn't want to spend any more time with me I was left alone and I could just crack on and and write and it became um, a moment of solace for me because I could just write about this fictional gang of friends Mm. and and I set them on a desert island which was partly um, the mantra is always like write what you know but actually it can also be write what you want to read and what I wanted mm. to be experiencing was being on a desert island in beautiful sunshine yeah. and I didn't want to be sat at home in my house anymore you know yeah especially then just dreaming yeah. away exactly yeah. and so I set it on an island that was vaguely familiar to me because my sister was once in a um in a reality tv show called Shipwrecked back oh, in early okay. 2000s okay. and so I had a tiny bit of knowledge about the flora and fauna and what have you and then when I began really properly thinking this actually could be a book I would ring her up and go so tell me what kind of coconuts can you burn <laughs> random <laughs> questions like that so she was a font of all knowledge for the research and so then I just started writing it and and so much of the book is spent on the island and so much of what they experience is how I was feeling when we were cut off from everyone. Mm. It doesn't mention COVID. It's not mm. a COVID book. It is not lockdown. But I think if you read it, you might get that sense of being separate from other people and not having that freedom to just get up and go to the shops and not be able to do things. So I was just thinking, uh, before we go into the details of how you write and all that, would you mind just quickly outline the plot of the book? Yeah, absolutely. The the elevator pitch is um, basically four celebrities agree to take part in this really high-end reality TV show called Star Survivor. And you've got to imagine it's like, I'm a celebrity, but millions and millions and millions of pounds have been spent on it. And it's huge across the world. Everyone knows what it's about. And on their way to film the UK version, there's an accident and they get set down on the wrong desert island where they actually have to survive for real, which is a lot of fun because we've got four characters who have got PAs, mobile phones, all that stuff, but obviously everything's been stripped away. What they land on the island is whatever they are carrying in their helicopter Ah. and luggage. And how long does it take you then from the dream through to your dream of being published (laughs) so long it took me around about eight or nine months to write the first draft and then I did a Curtis Brown course which meant that I kind of honed it a little bit more so yeah so Curtis Brown are a um, prolific agency and you're very lucky if you get onto one of the courses so um, you sort of put your work across to them and tell them about it and then they say yes or no to you being part of their course so um, I did the Curtis Brown course where I met some incredible authors who have now got books out in the world as well so it's lovely to be kind of part of that group of people and then probably another oh gosh like eight nine months after that I finally had a finalized thing sent it off to agents did not get the first agent or the second one it went on for a really long time finally got secured and then um and then she then has to put it out on submission to publishers. So right. it keeps going. I mean, it, Gosh, it, it's a long process. It's a long process. I think beginning to end, it's something like, it's going to be four years of waiting. Mm. <laughs> really. Uh, four years from writing to it coming out. Did you get much, because um, I know that some of the most famous authors have had rejection after rejection. Did you have that same... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if someone tells you that they haven't been rejected, that they're lying, frankly. it's. <laughs> mm. I was uh, told to send out in batches of five. So I've been through this editing course and I've tightened it up and I have my submission package, which means that the letter is exactly what the agent wants to read. And I have my first three chapters really, really tight and I have my synopsis really tight. Mm. Um, and this is all being looked over by this Curtis Brown company and all this other stuff. Um, you kind of go, yeah, I'm pumped. I'm, it's brilliant. Mm. Everyone's going to say yes to me. And then you send it out in batch of five. And then there's just silence. And then nothing. 
and you go, oh, okay, that's interesting. And each agency has a different way of replying to you. So they either say things like, if you don't hear from us, we're not interested. Or if you don't hear from us in 20 weeks, then we're mm. not interested. Or it's a three months period. So there's all these different sort of cutoffs. And so every month or so you send out another five and another five. So eventually I made friends with an author locally called Daisy White. And uh, I'd gone along to one of her sort of writing retreat days. And I was lamenting the fact I'd got 15 rejections by this point. And I kind of was like, oh, 15. She went, tell me when you get to 50 and then I'm interested. And I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can take that. Because so many of them are quite formulaic and they're kind of copy and paste. And you go, oh, you haven't even read it. You just decided that you Mm -hmm. don't like it. Or they'll say, oh, we've got something quite similar. And actually in the last year, I've noticed an awful lot of islandy books that have come out. Not the same storyline, I must admit. They're quite thriller-based, but I can see that there were agencies and publishers that were already looking at things like that. Um, But yeah, so in in the end, um, Annette, who is at A4 Authors, who found my book, um, she was, I think, number 18 on my list. And the reason Annette picked up is because I had the worst rejection I've ever got, which was um, I got an email, I sent it off, I sent the whole submission package, I wanted all this information... And the email came back, Lisa, thanks, but no thanks. Mm, the person's name. Oh. oh. And I was like, oh, okay, not, not feedback. No feedback. Not, we didn't no. like the genre or anything like uh-huh. that. So in a slight fit of peak, I put a thing out on Twitter, as it was at the time. Mm-hmm. I said, has anyone got a worse rejection than this? This mm-hmm. is what I had. Didn't yeah. have any agent or anything like that, because I'm not like that. Yeah. Um, and then a lady from A for Authors said, she messaged me, she said, look, we can't guarantee that we'll say yes to you, but we will guarantee it'll be a nicer rejection than that. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. <That's> <laughs> so I said, oh, okay, and I sent it over. And then at the same time, another agency actually said, yes, we'd like to read the full manuscript, which mm-hmm. is the big exciting moment. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I had two agents who were both looking at it and okay. I mean, little scrap over who who signed me which was always quite nice to feel a bit wanted wow, so yeah. social uh, putting something and putting yourself out there it came to fruition it yes. did i mean i'm not entirely certain i would recommend it for everybody but i think it's particularly for a long time twitter and publishing used to go really hand in hand basically yeah. and everybody that you met on twitter was really handy really nice and you make really good friends and what have you and i've got some really good publishing pals literally from twitter <laughs> but you hear the stories of authors going out and saying, I can't believe so-and-so said all this about me and then adding in the agent or the publisher. And you go, oh, mate, no, 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 no. Because everybody knows everyone in publishing. Yeah, and yeah. you think that, you go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, everybody knows everyone. It's really quite odd. You go mm-hmm. to an event and you know six people, but the person next to yeah. you knows 100. You wow. know? So it's incredibly incestuous. They all move publishing companies all the time. Yeah. All the agents move around, all the publishers move around, all the editors move around. And you're mm-hmm. like... When you're at HQ and now you're at Penguin and now you're at Random House, like, yes, and it's still a no. <laughs> you know? Okay, great, thanks very much. A lot of useful knowledge here. I know any aspiring <laughs> writers that it's might be not to put anybody off. Yeah, but also probably very good that you did not, yeah, put any names out. And no. just... So you did write the script and then um, at what stage, I mean, did you have a lot of people reading the script before you went to this uh, Curtis Brown course? Um, So I I wrote the first draft and sent it to my incredibly non-biased mother and sent it to her who said it was brilliant because she's my mum and she actually she rang me and she went, oh Lisa, I love it. I'm like, "Mm, okay. (laughs) She went, but your dad's read it and he loves it too. I'm like, oh, this might be a sign. Mm. But I did have... um, 
they call them beta readers if you have somebody read through your work and as part of the Curtis Brown stuff we would beta read each other's work so yeah. I started to know a woman called Costanza Cassati really well and she and I would share quite a lot of our work with each other but not often the full manuscript you'd work together on the first three chapters or a new chapter or what have you mm. um, purely because it was trying to get to, to the point where it was in front of an agent um, so I got to know her book really well actually and then it's been out for a couple of years it's quite funny to see it all in bookshops and stuff and you've always worked with words haven't you yeah. you a journalist and PR and various other and writing is a thing but have you always wanted to be an author is that always the main aim or is it just kind of so I think Ever since I was tiny, my dad worked at a paper called The Argus up until I was about 12, and then he worked at The Mail. So I've really only ever known people working in that industry, and my mum worked in theatres. So my two sort of colliding interests were papers and writing and news and entertainments and celebrity and theatre. So that kind of informed everything that I did, I think, growing up. So it was really normal for me to to go to a play and then meet all the people afterwards because I just thought that was what everyone did. Right. And we would go for dinners with, like, Harold and Marge from Neighbours and people oh. like that. They're in <laughs> Panto in the 80s and 90s yeah. and stuff. So we would do that. So being with creative people who wrote and directed and acted and what have you, that's just normal as far as I'm concerned. So when I started writing as a journalist, that felt like a really normal progression for me. And I think at the back of my mind, I always thought I'd write a book. I just always assumed and then finally got around to it. But I did do a degree quite a lot older than normal people. So I did it through um, the OU when I was about 28 and I had two very young children. And um, at the time, one of the the elements was a creative writing course because of English language and literature. And the formula, the beginning of a book that I wrote that I would never, ever, ever publish now, but the beginning of a book I wrote was there. And actually that idea of getting thousands of words down became something that I could actually recognise and a routine I could get into. So that was a really good precursor to actually writing properly. Mm. So you have Star Survivor is the first book that you've published under your own name, Lisa Brace, but it's actually not the first book that you have published that's out there. No. So you've written, before you've written a few books under the name, yeah, do you want to tell us? Yeah, so as a little test run, I've written a couple of novellas under the name Holly Green. I mean, I said publishing is slow. I knew Star Survivor was going to be coming out, but nothing had happened for about three years. Mm. I have all these ideas and I write all these things all the time and they're not necessarily going anywhere. So I contacted my agent over Christmas and said, oh, I've got this idea. It's The Devil Wears Prada meets Christmas Carol. And she said, I love it. Mm. And I said, but I can't write more than maybe 30,000 words. I've tried and it won't go more than a novella length. So a novella is just a shorter... It is. It's just a shorter book. It's basically... So both of mine are about 40,000 words and a standard book, if you like, is between 80 and 100,000 words. Right. So every book that you will look at that's sort of a standard size is about 90,000. Star Survivor's 90,000 words. Um, So I wrote this Secret Santa novella, sent it to the agent. She went, oh, I love it. It's beautiful. I can't do anything with it, but I really like it. And so I said, with your permission, I'll self-publish and I'll just put it out and just see what that's like. And um, at the time, I've got friends with this author called Daisy White and we actually run writing retreats. But we've set up um, Blue Peer Books, which is a publishing business, to put out independently published books under a, under a banner name. And she'd already done a couple and we'd sort of been practising with hers a little bit because publishing is, is changing quite massively and traditional publishing isn't quite as fast as it needs to be and we did really well with her books we pushed them on socials and amazon and stuff and she was in the top 10 of her categories and top 100 on amazon and stuff so like we actually might know what we're doing here so when i wrote mine i didn't want it to go out under lisa brace because i knew star survivors coming out this march and 
Secret Santa only came out in uh, Novemberish last year. I didn't want to kind of muddy the water as far as debut author is concerned mm. um, because as a standalone full-length novel, Star Survivor is my first novel that is out there yeah. and under my name. Um, and the Holly Green stuff was a little bit about protecting myself as well because if it was terrible, nobody mm. knew it was me. Yeah. <laughs> so I could just put it out there, practice a little bit and also practice around social media and marketing and understanding how the Amazon algorithms and all that sort of stuff work. Mm. And then I've continued and series sell better on Amazon for example so the secret series is what Holly Green writes so she's my completely fluffy counterpart who just writes really light kind of sweet and light kind of books really lots of kissing in it as my kids that must be so difficult to have your Lisa Brace uh writing style and then and then your Holly Green do you do you just change your kind of mindset Uh, I think I might have a chameleon brain maybe I've written loads of different genres not meaning to so my agent she's bless her she lets me get away with everything but most people would be told to stick in one genre and stick at it and be good at it and the stars five is classed as um, women's fiction it's commercial fiction which means it's just kind of quite straight rom-com-ish but it's got a bit of a dark heart to it and then the holly green stuff is all really rom-com so it's super light but it's also called clean and wholesome is the phrasing for it so you won't find any swear words there's no sex scenes and there's no spice (laughs) that's gonna be my next question yeah i know so there's no spice in those ones but then the books that i've written subsequently i've got two historical fiction novels that are both set between 1910 and 1920s completely different entirely different and that's just because it's stuff that interests me and i wanted to write that and I'm currently writing a psych thriller because I wanted to write that. Gosh, you mm. don't stop. <laughs> but I think it's, it's from my point of view, my, I mean, Daisy often says that it's because I'm a journalist, I can write in different styles because I've mm. written on every subject. I genuinely think I've written on every subject in the last 20 odd years. There can't be anything I haven't written on at least once. And I think you just get into the heart of it. And in my mind, I kind of go, all oh, right, so it's a psych thriller, right, it would be like that then. Mm. And But I, I was... I was slightly split personality last year because in the morning I'd be writing my historical fiction, which takes a lot of effort to write. Mm. Is that a lot of research as well? So I guess much research. Because it has to be, well, accurate. Oh, everything's got to be perfect. You write about things, you say like, and then she gets out of the bath and she gets a towel. Hmm, does she get a towel? Did they have towels in 1908? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Google, do they have yeah. towels? And so you end up spending like hours just in this cycle of trying yeah. to work things out. So I'd write his fic in the morning and then in the afternoon I'd be writing rom-com really really light fluffy christmas themed rom-com in march mm. so i did start to kind of lose my mind a little bit at that particular point i try not to split it across days now I try and split it you know ends of weeks and stuff like that sure. so they're slightly different yeah so entire days now is it just writing writing is that what you do now for a living i would love to be a full-time author but um sadly it doesn't really pay for the milk and the bread and all that sort of stuff yet mm. but um It's a mixture. I'm fortunate enough that I can make it part-time. So I now write probably two and a half days a week if you're going to really like weekday it. But um, Mm. the rest of the time I spend writing for other people. So I do a lot of content writing and writing books for other people and all sorts of things. So it's still writing. I mean, it's literally Mm. the only thing I can do. (laughs) It's quite different. I mean, writing as a journalist or as a copywriter, it's very formulaic, isn't it? And you have your set parameters of what you've got to write about. But I guess fiction... 
I mean, it is a very different process. I mean, how do you approach it? Do you feel quite freed by fiction? Yeah. Writing for me now, quite a lot of the stuff I write now are features, and quite a lot of the time they're quite loose, so mm. they don't have to be as formulaic as a news article, sure. for example. I mean, some of the PR stuff is, but that's the sort of thing you can do without thinking too much. If you've been doing it for 20 odd years, you can bash out a press release and go, yeah, that's done, you know. And then I think with a book... It's odd because the first couple, or the first one that I wrote, I felt quite free and I could just write however I wanted to write it. It must be said that further down the line you go, the more you start thinking about, oh, well, that's going to have to be edited. Because you never send the first draft off to anybody. I mean, Star Survivor must have seen nine drafts before it got out there and then it's been through edits like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I would happily never read a page of it again. So you you end up kind of self-editing a bit when you're on sort of books two, books three, but there is still a formula. I mean, you have to still have an arc. You have to understand where your character's right. going, where your storyline is going. Um, you can write and write and write, but eventually there's going to have to be an end. So you have to have that in mind, you know. So it, it sort of depends, really. The novellas are a lot more formulaic, actually, because they're expected to be. They're expected to be really short mouthfuls that you, you read a chapter in maybe four or five minutes and they want to flick through on the Kindles really quickly. And each chapter's got to almost contain a story within itself that sort of comes to the end quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hispic can take ages and you can take a long time to finish a chapter if you want to, as long as there's a point to it. So you've been writing, um, well, both your books, the books that you've published under the name Holly Green and Star Survivor are within the rom-com genre. And uh, many years ago, when I was a student, I was translating romance novels. Mm -hmm. And uh, romance novels, it's a step up from rom-com, isn't it, I think? Uh, I know where you're going. (laughs) Was it Mills and Boone? (laughs) Yeah, I think that might be. At the time, the publishing company was called Harlequin in Sweden, Yeah, Yeah, I know the types you were translating. Yeah, so the type of books that you would buy in supermarkets. They are rom-com, but definitely not only romance. No. Yeah. But it's the book that I wrote then. Mm. And then subsequently, the books that I write 
like the psych thriller I'm writing at the moment, it's meant to be this slightly brooding, scary, what if process. Mm -hmm. And there's very few swear words in it. And I've done that intentionally because I want it to be really shocking when there is one. Mm. But there's some really filthy scenes in them. And I'm there going, oh my goodness, my mum's going to read this. Mm. How do I explain this to her? Like, this isn't me. And it's, I think there's, there's still that point where you write something and you think, oh, I'm just writing it for myself and I'm writing it on a computer and la la la, it's all lovely. And then, then other people read it and you go, oh no, 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 hang on a minute. They're all going to have opinions on it. And oh my God, what have I got them doing in that particular scene? Oh, yeah. They're you, you're kind of, they're taking on two parts almost. Yeah. Like the, the person writing it, but also then thinking how it's going to be received. Yeah. Mm. I don't mind reading the spicy scenes. I think that can be quite fun in the right place in a book. Mm. I think it works really well. And I think that's, I mean, there's a reason why Fifty Shades did as well as it did. There's clearly a lot of people out there who like that kind of book. Um, But you do have to be super careful because sometimes it goes in there and it's just there for the sake of it. Mm -hmm. And also, anything you say out loud doesn't sound nearly as bad until when it's written down, it's suddenly visceral. And you're there Mm. going, oh, okay, maybe not this. Mm. So, yeah, I'm always impressed by the people that can manage the hot and spicy scenes without them coming across as really extra yeah and in terms of your inspiration what kind of authors do you do you read a lot I'm guessing you do copious amounts I don't I genuinely don't think you can be an author and not read a book mm. but I've always read so I was a prolific reader when I was a, a kid and was reading adult books by the time I was <clears> nine because young adult fiction didn't exist at that point but so I, Virginia I, Andrews oh, I remember reading yeah, yeah all of those things <laughs> so I've read prolifically for years and then in the weird way, I generally only read books that people have recommended to me. And um, I think it's because I've read so much. And when I was younger, I was used to the librarians putting the books aside for me. She thought it would be okay for me to read yeah. because Hot and Spicy wasn't good when you were 10. So <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, she was she would give me these books and I'd read what I was given. And then it's always been that way. I've always just read everything Mm. um and now it has become a little bit more specific i get people who send me books that i read in the night they call them arcs so you get before they're published copies of books that you then put a quote on and all that sort of stuff but yeah i mean i read prolifically and i love reading it is my escapism i don't listen to you know much music i don't watch that much tv um but i i read all the time and and i'm always impressed by what people have created i mean people Mm. like maggie o'farrell with um, Mm. hamnet is just yeah oh that you know the jealousy i have not for her success but the fact she can write like that that Mm. beauty that she can convey in her words you just sit there and go okay okay i'm just going to give up now then i mean this is just (laughs) unbelievable i've just actually just finished reading the marriage portrait oh that's stunning which is also amazing i find it fascinating beautiful writing yeah she's so lyrical but then on the other like on the flip side i love reading people like marion keys because she would be perceived to be rom-com but there's always a dark heart to her books it's never straightforward it's never that light and fluffy there's always some sort of issue that she's managing Mm -hmm. and i love the way she manages words as well so yeah i mean i read everything everything all the time <laughs> do you have a favorite genre i don't think i do i mean i, I like there's a thing there's a phrase literary fiction so i like the ones that are a little bit whimsical and a bit lyrical mm. um and maybe a little bit strange so i recently finished yellow face which was very good and i enjoyed that one and currently reading the whalebone theater which is stunning oh I've, have you read it yes oh, i love that but i don't want it to end actually. well i'm three quarters of the way through and i'm now putting it aside because i'm like i don't want it oh. to finish it's too good yeah that's yeah, really nicely written so i i like all of those kind of things but then i've got friends who write um i've got a lot of friends who write a lot of crime a lot of very nice ladies who write a lot of crime that I'm friends with 
And so I read a lot of crime books now, yeah. which was not a genre that I was ever that bothered by. But now I could sort of get into it, which I think is why I'm now really writing a psych thriller. They've yeah. clearly pushed yeah. me into it, haven't they? <laughs> I wanted to come back to the story, the storyline. Um, so with all the books that you've written and the one you're currently writing, have you got sort of like the whole storyline, beginning, middle, all the characters, end, everything? Or does a lot of the story come to you during the process? Yeah. Oh, so there's, do you know the phrase plotter or pantser? I don't know. Okay, so for a writer, you're either a plotter, you've got your office covered in post-it notes and you've got meticulous information and you completely work out what it is you want to write before you put pen to paper, as it were. Or you're a pantser and you write by the seat of your pants. So you can just keep just writing everything down. And I would say I am entirely pantsing it as far as all commercial fiction, psych thrillers and that sort of stuff is concerned. And then I have to be a plotter when it comes to the historical fiction because you cannot shift that date. So the stuff that I write about, the war can't be moved, you know, so well, yeah. that's that's got to have some sort of implication on things. So yeah. that will help me. But I, I still don't plot chapter to chapter and there will often be a character that turns up that I wasn't expecting I'm like oh hello (laughs) Mm. let's include you then Mm. um so I don't massively like being constrained too much especially if it comes to writing so I much rather sit down and think right well today I'm going to write this scene where x happens Mm. and then I just write it through and hopefully it comes to where it should end sometimes I'm quite surprised by where it's going to and then when it comes to the actual characters do you get a lot of inspiration from from the people around you or uh, yeah um... I, I do and but I also had to be super careful because yeah. I <laughs> took her into hot water yeah, <laughs> well no because partly because um as I said I think I'm a bit of a sponge because I'll write a character and I think oh I'm being really clever here this is somebody that's entirely new and then someone like my mum will read it and like with Secret Santa in fact my dad read it and he went Oh, that editor, that's based on the editor of the person that you did work experience for. I'm going to be very careful here and not say where I did it. Mm-hmm. When you were 16, I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, yes it was. So she was locked away in my head for years and years and years. And I couldn't have told you or remembered any of that. And then yet she came out as a character in my book. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the way that I write, and I think a lot of writers write as well, but you kind of mix it all up. So if I sit there and I think, oh, I need this character... Um, I often find names are the worst. I end up calling every man in my book William or Matt, and then I end up having to go back through and renaming them, and I don't know why I'm stuck on it. Yeah. I don't have a William or a Matt in my family. So yeah. goodness knows. That's why you're trying to choose someone completely that <laughs> yeah. you don't know. Just keep moving them away. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do find that I'll sit there and think, oh, I need that female to have that strength or that emotion or that way, or their house looks like this, you know. And I will borrow from people that I know or magazines that I've read or films that I've seen. So you start to sort of imagine it a little bit really definitely star survivors got some people in there that uh yeah no I, I knew them but i'll be very careful about who they are but it's part of the fun i think is you put people in there and and see what happens but i mean i was gonna say the histific is based on real life women so there's no real need to make it up because they existed um but i'm just fictionalizing their lives and, right, and yeah. that's a real honor really to be able to write about them and i don't need to be inspired because they're already inspirational and lots of authors use, I mean, Joanna Quinn, who wrote Wellbane Theatre, okay. she lives in Dorset. I think the novel is set predominantly in Dorset, isn't it? Um, have you taken any inspiration from Horsham in your novels? Yeah, I have. Um, there's a second book that's after Star Survivor called The Street, which isn't out this year, but it'll be out soon, next year probably. And that came about because walking around the town, I couldn't help but be struck by how many often you walk down a street where there's all victorian houses and yet everybody's front looks different so they all have their different doors or they you know it's the individuality and that mm-hmm. family that's behind and that personality of that house and i really liked the idea of 
just how little we know about what's going on behind closed doors mm. and who's there and what could happen. And so I wrote a book about a reality TV show that uh, takes place in a street and ends up pitting the neighbours against each other when they think they're going to be united to begin with. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so I was, I quite like that idea. And then you sort of assume something because of how mm-hmm. they've got grey gravel out the front or they're never tied to the hedge or, you know, but then actually it could be something very different that's behind closed doors. Mm. Mm. I like the idea. But apart from writing, you have also been running writing retreats with fellow author Daisy White. Yeah. Are these still going on or can you tell us a little bit about yeah, this? Yeah, they are. So Daisy, um, she's prolific. She's had about 24 books out as of recording. Mm. There'll probably be two more by the time this comes out. She's that quick. And she's a local author. She's local. She's... And she and I met when I was working on a project for a local council and she mentioned that she was an author and we sort of got on a little bit and as things do sort of don't speak for a few years and then we bumped into each other at another event and she invited me to her first writing retreat that she was running and did I want to come along for a day I thought okay be interesting I'm into that what I ended up doing even though this was a free writing retreat as far as I was concerned is I spent the afternoon giving everyone social media and PR advice (laughs) and so what happened is at the end of it she went that went really well how about we do that together And so it sort of evolved that we run writing retreats um, across Sussex where we do a mixture of teaching people how to write to the end of the novel, how to structure novels, how to write the submission packages, you know, tight first three chapters, also how to write the intro to your book because that's really important. Um, And we do that as one day as or three day retreats, but we've just gone through a rebrand. So we were originally Sussex Writing Retreats. In about a month's time, we'll be Blue Peer Creative. And underneath Blue Peer, we have Blue Peer Books, which is our publishing arm, and then Blue Peer Retreats, which means that we can actually go outside of Sussex because it was fairly limiting with the name. Mm -hmm. And we are going to stick at mainly one day as, so we'll have Warnham Nature Reserve and NEP signed up. There's somewhere in Surrey that's just about to sign up as well. so we're doing a mixture of writing retreats with them. And then we're also doing Blue Peer Talks and Blue Peer One-to-One. So we've got lots of people who ask to come on retreats and then realise they can't make it down to where we are. So we're moving online and making sure that we're offering um, okay. courses and advice and one-to-one online. So, yeah. How exciting. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah. And I suppose with, if you want to be published, it's not just about, like you've just mentioned, it's not just about writing something, is it? And then sort of sending it off somewhere. No. There's a whole catalogue of things of events and support you've got which I guess you get with the retreats which you've mentioned yeah I think um I think there's maybe this idea this romantic idea of an author that they sit there and they craft their book and they write this lovely book and it goes out and then a couple months later it gets published then it goes in all the bookshops and everyone buys it and it's really Mm. lovely then they write the next one and that might well work for JK Rowling probably and then she's on her second and third book but you don't often get that level of success or that belief from a traditional publisher that you're going to go that far that quickly and actually authoring is mainly a lot of hard graft in behind the scenes so whereas I might spend one or two hours a day writing creatively the rest of my day aside from working for other people is spent doing really boring things like emails and social media and that sort of stuff and then occasionally you get really fun invites to do things like a panel at a literary festival or do something like that you get to go to book launches and you always say yes because as an author you can be quite isolated you can be on your own a lot and I love being a hermit I love being at home works best for me but also, I do appreciate if I don't get out and talk to people, yeah, I won't sell is... my book while I... So, yeah. yeah, and the networking is really important mm. because with Star Survivor, I could actually call upon a good half a dozen, maybe more so, authors and ask them to give me quotes for the book, which helps to sell in the mm. end as well. And they're all happy to because they're friends, because I've been out to their things and supported them. So 
Yeah, it is great. And then running the writing retreats is just so lovely because you get people who come from all walks of life, all different ages, and you get to help and inspire them and you get to hear incredible stories. And it's not always about publishing for them. Sometimes it's more almost like a journal, Mm. but it's about helping them be creative. And that is just so nice. Can't wait to do more of that, really. So... For anyone who's listening and who is inspired and wants to get started to write or develop a project, maybe an idea they have, what are your best tips? The best tip is to write the book. And I know that sounds really... But quite often when I've come across people who want to write books, you say to them, so how far along are you? Oh, well, I've just got this idea. Yeah, okay. Well, the idea isn't going to get you to that 90K mark, which is sort of where most books need to sit at. So my first tip would be write it whenever you've got time. And I'm not suggesting that people spend two or three hours every day because not everyone has that luxury. Mm. Um, It could take you a year to write something. It could take you 10 years. But if you are doing it because you love it and you enjoy it, just carve out some time and write it. You know, we all talk about self-care and exercise and stuff. But if writing a book is really important to you, then you need to just carve out some time to do it. I've explained I don't watch an awful lot of TV. There's an awful lot of authors that don't see a great deal of stuff that's current because we're hidden away somewhere typing up something because that's what you have to do. Um, The other thing would be to read. Read prolifically and not just books. Read newspapers, be online, read stories, long reads, anything you like. But I think the more you read, obviously your vocabulary extends, but also your understanding of the world extends and your knowledge of what you do and don't like and what you want to write is really apparent as well. And it also feeds into whatever you write. So your genre will become more interesting the more the same genre that you'll read so you can actually start to understand the tropes and the quirks of what's in that crime series or in the rom-com mm. what's expected you know what do your readers expect from you when you write these things don't fall between two genres because publishers aren't going to sell it so keep reading and keep writing and also don't see it as a chore quite often when we have people who come to writing retreats who are there going oh i've only written fifty thousand words and i've got to do this and i've got to do that and they go well you haven't actually because there's nobody down your neck asking for it by a certain date there's Mm. no deadline there's no agent or publisher you're actually in a really golden space where it's just down to you and that's glorious Mm. just enjoy it write Mm. it and enjoy writing it it shouldn't be a task because if it is a task then that's not the project for you yeah and if you do want to keep writing then pick something else frankly and start writing that instead yeah oh but i would say don't get distracted by the the big idea either if you are at that point where you're about 60 70 000 words and you're about two thirds of the way through your book you are guaranteed to come up with another much better idea oh yes <laughs> that you want to write instead yeah and i know that's really tempting but just mm. write down the outline any ideas you've got plot and what have you in characters don't write it though put it to the side put it to the side finish the other one yes <laughs> finish yeah. your first project then you can move on to the other one otherwise you'll end up with six or seven things that are all about 10 to twenty thousand words mm. none of them are a full book yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, I can <laughs> relate really to that. Good. Actually, when I was a kid, I dream of being an author, I admit. And that was that was a profession I wanted to be when I was oh, a kid. Wow. And I have so many beginnings. So, yeah, yeah good advice. You could always write shorter as well. You don't necessarily have to write a book. You could yeah. look upon it and go, this is a story that's a short story. could be 2,000 words, 10,000 mm. words. There's lots of competitions for short stories now. Or novellas. You don't have to put the pressure on yourself to write a tome. Yeah, it's nice that there's there's certain level of rules, but it's not. It doesn't sound like there's anything to you can do with anything. You can. Yeah. I mean, you could write poetry. You could write long form. You could write short poetry. Mm. It doesn't really matter, does it? Especially if it's not for public consumption. Just write whatever you want, like really. Yeah, yeah. and self-publish. I guess. 
Yes, you can do it online even on a blog or You really or can. And self-publishing now is enormous and incredibly successful. There are some authors out there that are doing incredible things, selling millions of books and they are not going through a publisher and they started on their own, but they treat it like a business and they do it properly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is no reason why people can't do that. And I think, bearing in mind, and this is geeking out a bit, but the traditional publishers are really slow to pick this up. And there's loads of digital first publishers who only go online first, don't do paperbacks. And even if you get a publishing deal, quite often that's what you get first now. And that's no different if you self-publish. So the lines are blurring. Mm. Mm. Interesting. So what's next for you? Now, Star Survivor's out on the 28th? Yeah, 28th of March. But you're still working on some other stuff, aren't you? Yes. What are you doing? What's next? I've got a historical fiction novel called Swim, which is out at the end of May. And that's celebrating the life of a swimmer from Blackpool called Lucy Morton, who was the first gold medal swimmer for Britain. And she was an incredible woman and she she did so many amazing things. So I fictionalised her life, but I've written a story about her, which is out at the end of May. And I'm so excited for that because it's a completely different style to Viper. And then a, a Holly Green book called Secret Crush is out in August. And then I think I've got another one out in end of October as well for a Holly Green, which is Secret Spark. And that's it for this year because that will be something like five, I think. Oh my God, that's, that's enough. <laughs> uh, that sounds more than enough. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm oh. hopeful a couple of next year as well. But yeah, for now, we'll just keep it at the five. Oh. Amazing. <laughs> Oh, well, I've so well enjoyed impressed. this chat. Thank yes. you. Really. So it's been really insightful, and um, yeah, thanks so much for sharing all your experience. It's been lovely to chat to you both. Yeah. It's nice just to talk about writing. To it is, <laughs> and I think there's lots of useful information. There are so many aspiring writers out there. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you for listening to Sounding Out Horsham. We are so thankful for all the feedback we've had and to those of you who keep listening and who subscribe, you make it worthwhile. Yes, yeah, so and now we want to ask you something. If you enjoy our podcast, we would really appreciate it if you could spread the word and tell other people all about it or by liking us on social media and sharing our posts. We've met so many fascinating individuals since we started Sounding Out Horsham. And we'd love it if more people in the community could hear their stories. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Sounding Out Horsham. And of course, don't hesitate to get in touch.